0: Welcome to Craft, Design, Edit, Sleep, Repeat, with hosts Lisa Conway and Nikki Jensen. Listen as we take a deep dive into the business of fiber craft design. Hi Nikki, how are you today?
1: Uh, Great, thanks, how are you?
0: I'm a little cold today for being June. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it is it's, Alaska. Yeah, it's it's been kind of gray and windy today. Just yuck. Anyway, um, I'm super, super, super excited to introduce you to a man that I have talked about more times than I can count on this podcast. And the <laughs> reason I talk about him so often is because his skills are just beyond anything I've ever seen. He's he's just an amazing human being. So, Nikki, I would like you to meet our wonderful Wolf Graff, the mischievous Grafter,
1: <laughs> which we'll get into at some
0: point. <laughs> yes.
1: Hi, Wolf. Thanks for being here.
2: Hi, Nikki. Hi, Lisa. And <laughs> thankfully it's not a video podcast because otherwise he would have seen me being clawed by a cat. <laughs>
0: Yes, Catherine has decided he's his taking her chair is just not acceptable. <laughs> anyway, Wolf, would you please let our listeners know a little bit about yourself and your crafting background?
2: Okay, uh, I'm a German living in Australia, of all things, and as you just said, it is cold contrary to beliefs uh, that Australia is hot, it is freezing. Uh, I've been crafting for over 50 years. I started with crochet, knitting, and sewing when I was about four or five years old.
0: And it was a grandmother that taught you those things, correct?
2: Yes, it was my grandma and my mother and my grandpa taught me how to do carpentry, masonry, and all the other crafty things that yeah, you the, will need.
0: I, I kid you not, Nikki, if there's something this man doesn't know, I haven't found it yet. <laughs> oh, seriously.
2: I can tell you, I can't seriously make any coffee. <laughs> it is...
1: Of all the things. Well, you can outsource that. That's okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's why I only have it in tiramisu.
0: Yeah, he's a tea drinker. and the high class teas that he has introduced me to are just amazing. What was the one that was the blue color?
2: Uh, that was um, a sweet pea tea. Right? It's a butterfly sweet pea, yes, which tints uh, any tea. Blue.
1: I, yeah, I think I've heard of this. It's really, really blue, yeah. like um, like blue Curacao or something.
2: Yes. Yeah, mariage Yeah. Uh, they have a Phantom opera, uh, tea, and that is tinted with that.
0: Okay. Since you have done that, now you have to tell us how many languages you speak.
2: <laughs> oh goodness me. That was I, 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 <laughs> yeah, which I'm getting back into. But uh, as a child, I learned seven languages.
1: Yeah, right. that's pretty yeah. common in Germany, isn't it? To to have many languages because there are so many countries surrounding that speak different languages, right?
2: Oh, absolutely! And because I also grew partially up in the Netherlands, oh, okay. uh, the Dutch always say we defend ourselves with the languages. So uh, you have Dutch, you have German, you have French, you have English. And except of Dutch, all those languages are taught in school in Germany as well. So you have to take at least one foreign language.
0: Okay. Well, and to get back to your crafting, um, it there was a question that I had that's not coming out right. When did you turn crafting into a profession? Because I know now you teach sewing, but I also know you did couture tailoring. Yes. And you've done knit design.
2: Yes. And fashion
0: design. Right. So (coughs) when did it become part of the career?
2: Uh,
0: Surprisingly,
2: I supplemented my allowances when I was a teenager already.
0: That's what I thought. Yeah.
2: Uh, I did little jobs here and there for other people. Uh, Knitting wasn't one of the things that I did for other people until later in life. When I found some people that were knit worthy or that paid. But uh, sewing, yeah, I've done basically when I was 16, 17, starting onwards where I was making pieces for other people.
0: Okay. And I was going to ask which came first, your knitting or your sewing, but basically they kind of all came at the same time, didn't they? The first thing I'd done was crochet.
1: Hmm.
2: That was when... Uh, I'm not sure if I was three or four, but the first thing that I'd done was a knitted kimono for a teddy bear that was about eight to ten centimeters <laughs> tall. So that was yeah. the first
1: thing. That was I think where I can... got my start, too, was making doll clothes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I didn't. I... Um, went straight into clothes for myself but that was because I did have a mother who um, sewed and taught me to knit and sew and that sort of thing and Hmm. it was all garments from the very beginning so
2: for me it came because I watched my grandma do crafty work and also Christmas, we done the whole nativity scene. So with my grandpa, we went out and got moss and uh, wood and tree roots and set up a whole scene there. So it, it for me, it was natural to do something with my hands all the time. And when I started sewing, I always say, my grandma was a really smart woman. She knew exactly what reverse psychology means. <laughs> she told me not to use her sewing machine, so I didn't follow those instructions. <laughs> and one day she caught me while I was re a an unfortunate tea towel that <laughs> sort of lost its hem along the way. Uh, I still didn't admit to her that it was because of me, but uh, I re it. And my grandma just gave up and said, you know, if I can't keep you from the machine, then at least I will teach you. So I learned how to sew on a treadle machine, but I also learned how to knit on a
0: knitting machine. Hmm. I've done a bit of that in my past as well. (laughs) Yes. So, Vicky. Oh, go ahead.
2: That basically screwed me up for life, but that's another story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Really? I thought that's what we were here to talk about.
1: (laughs) How do you find that um, sewing influences your knitting? if it
2: does. You know, when I seen that question, i now hearing it, I was this is interesting because something might surprise you because knitting influenced my sewing. Okay. I am known when I sew to eliminate seams wherever I
1: can. Oh. Okay, yes. that, that <laughs> is very
2: interesting. I I mean, for somebody who's been sewing for over 50 years, uh, yes, some of the decorative seams have a place, but I also think that other seams that don't need to be there shouldn't be there. And that came from looking at knitting designs and how you can actually create a color with the increases and decreases and make that shaped. In sewing, when you slash a pattern, so slashing a pattern means you make incisions and you move pieces around, you can create the seams in a way that it takes an extra seam out or a dot out but with easing and with form pressing, you can actually shape a garment depending on the fabric you use.
1: Oh, wow.
0: So give me an example of a kind of a seam that you can remove. What 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 seams do you commonly find are not really necessary?
2: Uh, at the moment, I working on a seam uh, oh not on a seam on a pair of pants and
0: just, oh you know you seam. mentioned that the other day
2: yeah so when you have a placket like this that is a high waisted pair of pants and then you have the waist seam in the front the two front pieces that i have in uh, on the front side up to the pocket, there won't be a horizontal seam in the next piece. Because you had it doesn't mentioned make that, sense. And I was
0: like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And those
2: are things that came from knitting where I knew okay, if I do this a little bit differently, I can eliminate the seams. Because I mean, quite frankly, who likes seaming knitting?
0: Not very many people. (laughs) There
2: are a few people, you know.
0: The thing of it is, is most of them that do come from a sewing background.
2: Yeah, but
0: that's that's what I find to be a common thread with designers I've spoken to that like. To make sure they've got the seams. Now there are some seams that do help with certain stability. Um, oh yes, like, like the shorts. I, I can't imagine doing a pair of cotton knitted shorts without seams. I just can't, because the the seam really does help provide stability. But it seems like all of the designers that I've talked to that really insist on don't take my seams out of my patterns. They have started in a sewing background and come forward into knitting, and they see those seams as necessary.
2: I think I must have missed that memo in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) You
0: missed a lot of memos, let's be honest. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: That is really interesting, though, because it really flipped our question and our expected answer right on its head, didn't it, Lisa? Yes, it really does. Even so, though I've
0: known Wolf for a while now, I missed that one.
1: <laughs> but it makes, uh, it, makes, it makes sense.
0: Now, the name makes sense,
2: too. Yes, we, we <laughs> will discuss that
0: more later, I promise.
1: <laughs> I'm starting to clue in.
0: <laughs> Nikki, you're getting a small picture of what my Thursdays are like. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: Yes, you don't want to repeat the Zoom meeting here because no. that would be a long episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the last one was... How many yeah, hours? you
2: broke our record. You I did. said one two weeks no, three weeks ago with 12 hours, you'd done 13.
0: 13. So. Wow. But that was, for a good, that was for a good reason. I was yes. there supporting yes. one of our members who lost yeah. her best friend, and she just really needed people to be with her. And there was no way I was going to leave until she was ready. I'd have, uh, I'd have stayed night. up all night uh, if I'd have
1: had to. Wow. Yeah.
2: So. If you needed a thumbnail... For this podcast, Nikki's expression when we said twelve and thirteen hours—that <laughs> would have been it.
1: <laughs> I don't have that kind of time, man. <laughs> I wish I did. You, you'll get you, there.
0: You'll get there. I promise. You've got that—that that little one that takes that time yeah. away. I. Yeah.
1: yeah and hours a whole day.
0: <laughs> and a day job, plus your editing, plus editing a book that I, I can't wait to hear more about that
1: <laughs> anyway to move that's on a lot. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah well I guess to move on we could uh, Oop. move on to the next question unless you had more about seams I unfortunately don't have a sewing background so I uh,
2: but you knit and you crochet
1: I knit and I crochet yes and I yeah. Try to seam as infrequently as possible. (laughs) But I do understand. When
2: when you think about it, when you have shoulder seams, Mm -hmm. in knitting, they get longer and longer and longer and longer and longer if you don't Mm -hmm. have a seam. Mm -hmm. With a crochet hook, you can solve that.
1: How so?
2: You make a chain underneath. Make a chain underneath. Yeah, you pick up the pearl bumps. If you uh, eliminate the seam, you pick up the pearl bumps underneath and go into every second and make a chain underneath.
1: And it gives it that
0: stability.
1: So that gives you the stability. Oh, I like that. So these are the ways that we avoid seams. Yes,
2: and it's also a technique that came from when I was working with a furrier, I did the fabric collection there. And I always wondered, how do you keep a fur coat in shape? You have so many seams there. Skins move they live, even though they're dead. But they're still not stationary. Mm-hmm. And it is a thin cotton ribbon that's being sewn in as well that holds the whole thing in place. Same thing you can do that if you eliminate seams on the shoulder or where you have gravity pull a lot. You just take one of those cotton strips and stitch it in by hand.
0: I've been looking at how to use my hand woven in garments and that's the very same thing that they talk about in stabilizing the seams for hand-woven wo- fi- fabric, because yeah, hand-woven fabric is more likely to fray. And so you stabilize the seams with, um, it's an iron-on stabilizer. Oh uh, yeah, but it's, interfacing. Po- it's not. But it's but it's not. It it's not um, polyester. It's it's a cotton. It, it appears to be a cotton rather than a polyester. Is that?
2: Yeah, you get woven crazy? interfacings. You get knit knit interfacings. You get uh, heat spun fibers. Like yeah, not really a felt. A uh, felt should be out of wool, not polyester or acrylic. Um, but you get all those different swords.
0: Yeah, these these were... The, the woman that I was watching was using a woven interfacing. Yeah. Cut real, into real thin strips and then just... Exactly. Down the seam line. Um, so, yeah, that's... It makes sense to me that the stabilizing is the key factor here. You only need seams when it needs to be stable.
2: Exactly, but... It depends where your seam is and what type of seam it is.
0: Right. And and shaping. Some shaping yes. would need to be done in seams, like hand in
2: paints, yeah, Hand wovens, you can actually press into form very easily. Yes. Specifically if they're made out of wool.
1: Yes. So, what I'm hearing is that some of the places where we think we need seams can actually be replaced with other techniques.
2: Exactly. So, for me, it is <coughs> the elimination of visible seams. Yes, in the background, there might be some hand stitching or invisible seams that hold the piece in place. So, for me, it was always when I did my apprenticeship, uh, as well. I looked for ways to make simple things complicated. <laughs> that
0: that's would really- be a rule of his life, yes.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> that's really cool, though. I like, but it in that- the in the end, it always seems to reverse itself because by the time you've made the simple thing complicated, you've found a way to take the complicated back to the simple. Yes, which may, uh, you know, not th- yeah. maybe not simple so much as just more realistic to do. It, it
2: is uh, one of the things is when I make sewing patterns, I eliminate the seams, use a lot of techniques, but in the end, it is less work, but it is more skilled work
1: hmm yeah well certainly well, in knitting the more seeming, the more work it is so if you can find a way to get around it that does make things easier but maybe not simpler yeah yeah yep
0: I'm picturing your corsets yes in my head and how you did well, how you would make those, wh- what you would do to form a corset that used fewer seams?
2: Uh, with corsetry, it is almost impossible. Okay. Unless you use stretchy materials. Right. Or you are not talking about corsets, you're talking about corsets or corsages.
0: Okay. Now you've, you've lost. <laughs> me. What's, the, what's the difference? See I told yeah. you this man's knowledge is just is as broad as the world. So what's the difference? So disclaimer, I'm a trained corset here.
2: Yes. I used to do medical corsets, so uh it's a little bit different, but then I also worked in the Youth Couture. A corset is the structure that shapes the body. A corset is something that supports the body, specifically the breasts. So it is a bra, but with more understructure. So the bra band is more than 10 centimeters wide. A corsage... Not the one you have on your arm. It is the overstructure that you build over a corset. The okay. decorative part.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. You got me when you said that. I think that I associate the word corset more with a corset. Corsetier? Am I saying that right?
2: Corsetier. Yeah, Oh, uh, here Probably in the U.S. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. I'm. I tend to. I think I picture in my head when you say corset. I think I. I picture a corsetier instead. A corsage, you mean? <laughs> Possibly. Okay. I've lost it. All right. Never mind. Let's move on.
2: You just got the corset confused with the maker.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah (laughs) Yeah. um there's a there's a big learning curve there and there (laughs) is and because uh, i think too many people use the word corset to mean all three yes
2: but then again it's a dying art form and i i know a lot of people in the u.s have started to create corsets again and teaching themselves or learning from the School of um, Historic Fashion in the UK. They brought out a book on corsetry where you can learn a lot of things. Others uh, went to courses about corsetry, and then they started their business and selling corsets now online. But Yeah, I keep the, meaning
0: to look I, into those.
2: Yeah, I, I call those more the fashion corsets. Mm-hmm. The ones that I learned with Elfie Denrich in Berlin was more for women who needed the support because of the size of their breasts or because of medical reasons or because of surgery.
0: And see, that's why I would be interested in looking into it more completely, because they're much more supportive yeah. than our current bras. Hmm. As a I matter just, of fact, there's some research that says that our what we wear today is actually causing damage to our breasts.
2: Not just your breasts.
1: Right. Right. D- I just keep thinking about the first episode of Queen Charlotte, where she's talking about her corset with whalebone in it and how it could literally stab her to death if she bent the wrong way. And I'm thinking, that might not be for me. <laughs> Uh, we
2: don't use whalebone anymore, so we have violin, we have uh, metal boning and so on. It is less dangerous, but uh, definitely corsets have their place in the whole overall clothing part, and it is part of the slow fashion movement as well, mm-hmm. where people going back to the old patterns from the 16, 17, 1800s and to what's the new ones and 20s and 40s and 50s. I mean, 50s fashion without a corset is almost unthinkable unless you're Coco Chanel. Mm.
1: And certainly so <laughs> yeah. all, the, all the trendy um, period television shows must be, Uh, having a part in driving that interest
2: oh Uh, absolutely and a lot of the costume makers and reenactors and youtube as well as instagram is full of imagery of vintage wearers
1: yeah
0: There's some really, really interesting work out there being done on researching the history of various clothing and textiles. It's a big thing these days.
1: Mm -hmm. So, Wolf, you've told us you've been a furrier, a corseteer, a tailor. What have you learned from all of that wealth of experience that you wish that knitting designers were more aware of?
2: how to eliminate seams, and it works. Yeah. Uh, basically, I, I didn't work as a furrier. I worked for a furrier, but oh, I got the nice. information about it. Yeah, sorry, German, really to the point. Uh,
1: <laughs> yes, I have a couple of German clients.
2: <laughs> uh what I got out of this whole thing is I'm looking into structured garments, but most knitting designers shy away from it mm-hmm. because there is a huge learning curve behind mm-hmm.
1: it. Yeah. I noticed that. I I noticed that I tend to work on a lot of yoke sweaters and a lot of drop shoulder sweaters and, there's there's opportunities to make things fit better if you um go beyond those those very kind of basic shapes um that yeah. maybe a lot of designers might be intimidated to do it's well and a- there's some
0: grading issues in there too that those are much easier to grade than yeah. a yeah. more fitted garment Mm-hmm. a more fitted garment will require
2: complete different instruction for every size
0: mm-hmm. Yeah And in today's world of we've got to be inclusive we've got to have 10 sizes that becomes a huge hurdle. Yes Yeah we'll be talking more about that in our next well actually we'll be talking about that before this episode. So, go back and listen to episode 33.
2: <laughs> the choice of time travel.
0: Yes, the the, the the interesting part about recording out of order, right? Mm-hmm. Which we record according to our everybody's schedules and that can be challenging. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else, though, that that you wish knitting designers knew more about from the the sewing, tailoring side that you think that they could apply, like the grading?
2: Uh, It's a little bit of a double-edged sword because grading and designing for knitwear is different to designing and creating in fabric, in woven fabric. So, when I did my grading and pattern-making designs, I learned it for fabrics that are woven, but then also for knitwear. It would be interesting to see if there's somebody around that actually does the course specifically for knitwear. But then again, I can tell you, as soon as you go into garments that... structured as a woven fabric would be, you have the same problems again that you have with sewing. With sewing we have it solved with the multiple size patterns where you trace different forms. The instructions are the same. In knitting, you would have to translate that completely differently because you're going row by row by row by row. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So
2: it's basically you can't transfer one to the other.
0: There's a lot of patterns I see that you end up having to break out, you know, size one, three and five, one, two, four and seven, you know, because where you can find commonalities in some of the sizes, you have to have uniqueness in others. And so there is that trick of figuring out where can I cut back on verbiage by including everything in one place and where do I have to break out those things and how do I make it read well? So, from an editor's point of view, that's probably one of the trickier parts of dealing with that. Yeah, Is- and think
2: about it: when you customize a zoc, you're basically following the principles that you use if you would lengthen or shortening a dress. Yes, in a dress, you lengthen and shortening above the bust, below the bust. Mm-hmm. At the waist, on the, uh, between the waist and the hip, between the hip and the knee, and between the knee and the ankle. With a sock, everybody does either the cuff first or the toe. Then you knit up to your gusset, increases toe up, or you knit up to the heel flap for top down, then you have your turn off the heel and then you go the other direction. But in that section between cuff, heel and toe you can lengthen and shortening that sock and you can customize it for different people. If we would have more of these building blocks it would be easier right. to apply the actual pattern making skills from sewing into knitting. You could do it uh, with widening a garment, but then the curves would be sitting differently. Mm-hmm. If you take a front piece, for instance, and for every size you add Three, different, uh, three stitches or four stitches in the middle and then move that out. It is possible that way. And most people who sell will do that eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. They realize, okay, here we have so much positive or so much negative ease. I don't like that. So I'm just adding something. It is more difficult when you do color work because then you have those three additional stitches or ten additional stitches or whatever. So are you moving the color work to the, out to the side and then basically adding the stitches there? Or are you creating a different design with the color work? Uh, for instance, one knitter I adore with the designing, Alice Dahmore. Yes. Her color work is extraordinary. There is shaping
0: in the color work. Yes. Yes. And that's tricky because wherever you've got a new size, does it fit within the stitch pattern as far as the number of stitches in this piece of color work? And the number of rows in this piece of color work. And she has found ways to actually add increases and decreases in such a way that the color work itself expands and decreases with the work. Yeah. You look at her work. It's just amazing. Yeah. And I came across her
2: early on in my knitting. And I always thought, this is one person who understands how to translate sewing into knitting.
0: I'm going to have to look again because I never equated it that same way, but you're right.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing that you said that I wanted to come back to about, you know, the lengthening and shortening the sock. I think that that is something that can be applied in garments and as well. And, most of the time probably should be applied in garments as well if you can because sizing charts are for average height they're not for every height so if someone can make the lengths of sleeves and body adjustable in their pattern i think that um that that is really helpful to the Mm. person who's knitting it
2: and And that's one of the things that's missing in knitting patterns where exactly where you say with this slashing part in a fabric pattern, you have those double lines where you lengthen and shortening the pattern. If you have a stretch of fabric that you knit and your stitch count remains the same, go for it. Cut mm-hmm. the li- uh, the rows out if you need to or add to it. What you need to remember is the ratio from the shoulder to the breast point, from the breast point to the waist, from the waist to the hip. Anywhere there in between, you can make that garment fit for yourself.
0: Yep. And that's where our modern knitters, our our current day knitters haven't been because unlike you and unlike me, They weren't taught by family that taught them how to modify for their bodies as they learned. They're learning from YouTube. They're learning from written patterns or books, and they're not getting the advantage of, okay, well, here's where you can make the adjustments. So we need to do a better job, and it's a challenging job of directing them. This is where you can make changes.
2: Yes, and one of the big disadvantages of living in this time is (laughs) demotivation. In the 70s and 80s, if we wanted to learn a technique that we didn't know, we had to search for it. Yeah. Was word of mouth or this individual knew it, and then you got together and you exchanged information. You had critical thinking and you already made up your mind okay, if I do this, how can, in my case, how can I make it easier on one hand, but then also it might be more complicated for somebody else. But in my thinking pattern, for myself, easier. You also didn't have the amount of misinformation. I see a lot of knitting tutorials and sewing tutorials that are highly edited. The mistakes are not there. There is no way of fixing anything. Mistakes are being hidden, even though they're made on camera. And I I don't get it. I mean, if, if you want to teach other people Show them how to make the mistakes and how to fix them. Yes. That's a really good point. That's how we all learn. Mm
0: -hmm. You can imagine, Nikki, that the people who take his sewing classes get the most phenomenal teacher. Because A, he's not afraid to make mistakes in front of them.
2: Oh, goodness me.
1: Because he knows that,
0: and when a student makes a mistake, I've heard time and time again from him how, oh, look at, we've got this wonderful learning opportunity here.
1: Yeah. I love that. They
2: all start laughing. Uh, uh, Yes, they all feel awkward the first time it happens, but five minutes later, they catch themselves laughing at somebody else, and they realize, you know, this helps
1: yeah yeah I love that. I love that because to I think there maybe there's a a pressure for some reason if you're teaching to be to have to be perfect in order to be an authority or to be a teacher. But making mistakes is part of making anything. you know, and I'm going
0: to go back into my past. Um, I was an elementary certified elementary teacher and I worked for a brief period of time in a school for gifted and challenged students they had to um, test at an IQ of at least 160 to be admitted and this was from preschool up to um, about 12 or 13 year olds and then they had a separate school for the high schoolers and as I I did my student teaching there, and one of the biggest lessons I learned very early on was if I made a mistake to use that to show kids it's okay to make a mistake. Because if there's anyone in this world that is a perfectionist and and is hard on themselves when they make a mistake, it's gifted and talented students. These kids have more... Yes, mental anguish, and it—it it was. It, I had one student one day come to me, and the, the funny part of it is her name was the same as mine. We were both Lisa, and she loved that. And she came to me and Miss Lisa, you made a mistake when you corrected my math, and I went. Oh, I did. Let me see. Show me where. Show me where the mistake is, and show me what I did wrong. And she showed it to me, and I went you know what? You're, you're right. I blew it, you know, and just was very matter of fact, changed her grade on that piece of paper. And she was just like, you're not going to (laughs) cry. Literally, (sighs) you're not going to cry. And it was like, no, I'm human. I make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. We all do. You know, it's, Uh it's, it's part of life. And so, yeah, that was probably the most important thing I ever learned in my entire adult life that was it was just amazing so yeah I I love listening to Wolf tell stories
1: about his class what can I say (laughs) anyway um what kind of things inspire you or inspire your design
2: oh goodness me I'm a person who lives in details and takes the details and creates the bigger picture. So anything from a blade of grass to a drop of water to a cat scratching me (laughs) inspired. Your friend's
0: drinking glass.
2: The cat scratching me. Definitely, I need to make a fabric that's thicker so the claws can't get through. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, it is I have a constant sensory overload.
1: Mm.
2: My, yes, thank you. There we go (laughs) with the cats again. Uh, I constantly see something that inspires me.
0: And she's gonna to talk to us now.
2: Yes, she is
1: Vermins
0: <laughs> oh. are talkative.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yes, uh, I've I watched him change an entire direction for a pattern. Because of a friend's drinking glass.
2: Oh, goodness me.
0: That <laughs> porn
2: show.
1: <laughs> I would love to hear more about this. <laughs> uh, Actually, well, we don't want to go too deep. <laughs> uh,
2: yes. So the pattern is going to be edited uh, by Michelle. Good. And. Its name, and thankfully I can show you because I have it right here.
0: It's too okay. Can you do me a favor, Wolf, and make sure we get photos to include with the show notes? Oh,
2: yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Keyboard, nope. That would uh, you definitely will get that. Uh, in the front, there is a shape that's the back that goes from so it's double knitted brioche it goes into the shape of a glass Ah. and then the middle the rib forms the stem and then with some vickle braids or traveling stitches over double knitted brioche that's where the stem is.
1: I see The pattern
2: it. went through a few stages of naming. Several of them I can't repeat on camera or on the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I rarely swear, <laughs> very rarely swear. Very rarely. That individual compliments me. she makes up for the little of the swearing that i do (laughs) but after about seven or eight different names it is now going to be called blasted cinnamon vodka
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole long story behind that that we're not going to share because (laughs) I think it would embarrass this poor person a little too much. Uh,
1: uh, (laughs) uh, No,
2: she she would be highly entertained, but. Oh, yes. She uh,
0: would laugh at herself for sure. But
2: (laughs) uh, it was we were so concerned about her. But then on the other hand, I was. Oh, my gosh. This we were needs to be so memorized.
0: Hard. Yeah, we were all laughing so hard. It was
2: and then with that poncho, I created the shape of it, and I mean, you will see it in the notes. But when you look at the front, how this goes with the shaping here, this mm-hmm. is the easy part. When you look in the back Uh oh yes so there are different lines coming together and this is where the corsetry needs meets knitting right a lot of my students already said you should turn this into a dress pattern Mm
0: -hmm. yes yes There, there was a few of us within the knitting group that thought, if you just added some straps, right? If you have the figure, (laughs) it would be beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it's it's. (laughs) I've watched Wolf over the last three years create some absolutely amazing things that I don't think have ever hit um for sale in terms of a pattern, but oh man. Where are the patterns, Wolf?
2: Oh uh I'm starting and yeah. I, I was waiting for this pattern. I mean I needed this about two years ago. I was waiting for this pattern um because of Nathan's book. Yeah. yeah so that I don't publish something before the book actually is out.
1: That makes sense
2: and again with the inspiration it comes from anywhere. Mm. Out of talking about the technique and me like Nathan trying to do something with less work but getting a better result the whole thing with the development of double kneaded brioche came and at one point we realized we were approaching it exactly the same way, with the same out- outcome. However, me being an imperfect perfectionist and him being an perfectionist, he took it 15 steps further than me, and I remained with that.
1: <sighs>
2: because, I mean... I. I could say I'm the smarter one. I will let him do all the work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See? Yes. If you're trying to do less work and get the better result, you can do less work by letting someone else do it.
2: <laughs> so he got some knitting out of it and I had entertainment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, for me, it was... Yeah, okay, problem solved. Uh, You can look for something else. Then we've done some triple knitting, and I've found some ways there to make it complicated again, but easier (laughs) again. Uh, For instance, uh, Nicole, with the designs that she brought out, there are a few things that are still in the pipeline. One of the yes hats is a triple knitted, where she used cables. But I looked at the cables and I was hmm, too noisy for me. So what did I do? Use the technique from the double knitted brioche with the Latvian braid or the travel stitches in the treble knitting technique. To move the traveling stitches from one line and then going into the fabric, so instead of having the traveling stitches being flat and the fabric being up and down and textured, my fabric is flat, but the traveling stitch is going okay. Back I look and forward to seeing that up one and down.
0: I haven't seen that one yet. I can't wait to see that one. You've
2: seen it a while ago, but that's the one I need to shoot the video. And I'm at the round where I'm starting with the Latrian braid again to get that all the way around. But uh, there were a few test knits in between. And
0: And for our listeners, um, he's referring to Nicole Stein's Argyle, which is spelled with three R's cowl that just released Um, you can find pictures of my version of that on my Instagram or you can find the pattern on Ravelry and there's Wolf's Pat version of it in the neon colors that is actually got a UV strand uh, worked into two of the colors so that it glows in the dark oh very cool oh it's amazing and uh, her her Uh, a flutter mittens with the triple knitted mittens that have the butterfly that comes together on the hands. It's on the front, it's little butterflies that create on the palm. It's little butterflies that create a heart and on the back, it's a split butterfly. So there's one wing on each. Uh, Oh, wow. And then she's working on some other patterns as well. So um, you'll see those coming in the future. Um, so look for A Flutter and Argyle. <laughs> and <laughs> They're wonderful.
2: It, the A Flutter, I had the perfect yarn for it. And I, it was just, I couldn't believe how that came out. And yeah, yes. I, I'm so happy I needed it. I'm so happy it's with my friend Julie now in New Zealand. Yep,
0: yep. And they they made her very happy. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> and I might make another pair. I might. <laughs> but yeah, you, you can see that one on Nicole's pattern as well. Yeah. That's the other one. That's on so that.
0: obviously you never shy away from anything that's complicated. I've no. never seen you once look at a complicated pattern and say, no, I can't do that. Um. What do you feel are the best ways to overcome fear of the unknown? And this can be unknown for the beginning designer who is not sure how to move into the business. It could be knitting techniques. How do you overcome fear?
2: Make the mistake. Learn from it. As simple as that. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of making mistakes.
1: And certainly That's... in in knitting. I mean, it's just knitting. There's not really a lot to lose. This poncho. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: frogged five times. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the upper section. I'm talking thing. about the section below the glass. Oh... Because I wanted to find a way how I can get the stripes of the shaping to go onto the sleeve or onto the arm, Mm -hmm. but hold the shape for the poncho. So if you go in, you know, automatically because of the shaping at the neck, this goes over your ears. If you turn it down, it sits perfectly on your shoulders. But when you're walking around and you see once of a sudden that your diagonal stripes are in the front, you know, move it and it's normal again or in the position where it should be not to set off other people. And (laughs) (laughs) it, it was just something that I realized when I was knitting a brioche pattern that I thought, oh, this is fun. But then realized, oh, there are some shortcomings. First of all, it was brioche. It wasn't double-knitted brioche. Because at that point, the technique wasn't there. Yeah. But uh, the other thing was also, I never knew, where's the front, where's the back? Why yeah. does it sit awkward? So I constantly had to adjust it and then I remember for myself, okay, this is where it needs to be. Just think about a circle skirt with a elasticated waistband that wouldn't have any seam. How would you put that one on?
0: And even wearing a skirt like that if it's got pockets you invariably figure out that oh my gosh it's moved during the course of you know standing up and sitting down and standing up yeah. and sitting down and your pocket is now in the middle of the front and the middle of the back <laughs> yeah so once off a sudden can you can you tell i've had experience with that <laughs> yeah so Just and
2: again you... that's where yeah that's where the inspiration comes from Make sure what
1: <laughs> Just make sure you turn your skirt back around before you go digging in your pockets <laughs> <laughs> And
2: turn it in the right direction, not that you're going backwards in your pockets. <laughs> Do I know
1: from experience? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> don't ever apologize for causing laughter, please.
2: I don't think I will need to explain the name of my company. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh dear. Oh god So, Get my <laughs> so what's waiting in the wings? Any, uh, any next projects on the horizon?
2: Yeah, so the priority is to get that pattern uh, out, do the grading, get the test knitting done because it will come in a few different sizes and the sizing is actually going to be very interesting as well. We all know that in larger sizes... The front changes more than the back,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the poncho is actually not really symmetrical from the front to the back. So there will be more added in the front, there will be slight change in the back, and the glass will get shorter and longer. That's where the sizing will happen, which is also something It took me quite some time to come up with a way not just to slap some stitches in somewhere where it didn't make sense.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I didn't realize you were going to do that in multiple sizes. That's a cool project. Mm -hmm. But of course, like we said, you you can't do anything the easy way.
2: No, (laughs) and the other thing is... uh, I learned a lot about different sizing and sizing methods by knitting other designers work and looking through how are they solving the issues mm-hmm. and one of the big ones is Hunter Hammerson Hunter yes. is a genius when it comes to sizing different things with the socks where you have Use stitches per inch, and you can change according to your stitches of to an inch and the size of the sock that you want to have. You go in and use the different charts, and that it inspired me. Where was brilliant woman? Yay! It's I have hand- some. I have inspiration from that. And that's why I was, yes, you can do it absolutely elegantly.
0: Mm -hmm. It's a shame that so many of her individual patterns are no longer available. Um, She's Uh, limiting. I know she opened it up this weekend for her older patterns. um, Yeah. But. You know, it's it's really kind of a shame she chose to do that because there were some really inventive things there that she's removed. Yeah. But I get it.
2: Uh, uh, when this episode comes out, it, it won't be on sale. However, uh Hunter done that before, and I think she will do it on special occasions again. So that's something. Bookmark yeah. them when they yeah, come pal- up for well, sale. In- Follow her.
0: Follow her Instagram. Get on her newsletter because she will announce when they're going to be available, and it's worth it to to keep an eye out. And there's always her books. Yes. And oh, I now have a visitor.
1: the best kind of visitor
0: (laughs) yes that that's our little blizzard that's snowball and um, i now have to wipe the floor Uh, (laughs) she dribbles Uh, every time she sees um, me
1: oh that's so cute Just to say it
2: with the words of the woman who inspired me to do the poncho, they're intermediaries to do that.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, usually they do, but they were rushing her out, so I'll probably take care of it in a little bit. Um. So, Wolf, given your extensive background, what advice would you give? a budding designer, or someone who's thinking about designing but hasn't done so yet?
2: Get over the fear. Jump in, and as I said earlier, don't be afraid of making a mistake. There are a lot of people out there who will ridicule you. Ignore them. Look for the information that's constructive criticism or supportive. And learn from those. The rest is white noise.
0: And if you can get Wolf as a test knitter, you've got the best test knitter in the world.
2: <laughs> no, not really, <laughs> because <laughs> I changed
0: parents. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you do, but you do so intelligently and you do so with information given back to the designer as to why you yeah. did it. Yeah. I've watched you work a number of test knits for Nicole and or both test knits for Nicole and I've watched you work others. And I will honestly say if, if there's something he, he he can tell you that he thinks will help you, he most definitely will share it. He's he, Like I said, he really is a fabulous test knitter um yeah if you can get uh, for as a test knitter he's fabulous
2: <laughs> and I, I mean good okay I have a huge ego but I'm not egotistical I give you the information if you ask for it or not
1: <laughs>
0: and I have to agree with your description of yourself there um definitely not egotistical definitely not but but never afraid to be who you really are. And I love that oh, about no. you. Oh, no. I, 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 mean, I, I love and I respect that. I really do.
2: I learned how to embarrass myself when I was a little kid. So. <laughs> and I think I perfected it.
0: Okay. <laughs> so I, we, have, we, we did promise to tell people how you actually came up with mischievous grafter. There is a really
2: funny story because I used to play a game which was called uh, Vampire Wars. And we had a group of people that met up on Facebook which was called The Mischievous Lands of Duke Gregor. Some of us, after, goodness me, probably 12 years or longer, we're still good friends on Facebook, even though the game doesn't exist anymore. But out of that, there is a group of like minded people with a mischievous streak. And I was, okay, I really need to use that. I started with an organization here in where I be, where I am, to get people who are disengaged or isolated out of their shell or their home, and people who deal with anxiety and depression, and I called them Mischief Grafters, but crafters with a Z. But my last name is Graf, so the organization I called Mischievous Crafter. Okay. And as soon as the individuals knew that they're in a group that is called Mischievous Crafters, that's exactly what they did. So it gave them almost a permission to be cheeky to try things, to fail miserably, but to have fun with it. And I remember before COVID, I had two blind knitters in the group. They learned how to double knit and how to knit brioche.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And you've, you've inspired so many people. I. I know you've inspired me. You really have. Over the last three years, you've truly inspired me. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. Don't know what to do with that, but you're welcome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just just accept it as as oh, being yeah. heartfelt and and know that that. You do inspire me on a regular basis. You make me laugh on a regular basis. You make all of us laugh on a regular basis. And isn't that the joy of who we are?
2: Yeah. I I mean, there's a few of us who are ridiculously stupid sometimes. (laughs) And uh, we don't shy away from it. But that's also the whole thing of my thinking, you know, If I don't fall, I can't get up. If I don't make a mistake, I can't advance. So by rethinking how you approach things, I changed my life completely around. I mean, I I used to be a bespoke master tailor by profession but then I went back to school and got my medical science degree in community health education and psychology. And used all of that for a while, worked here in Melbourne for an organization, had a really bad work incident, and then had to find a way to put myself back together And that's when the whole thing with mischievous grafter came where I was okay here, I'm doing this now what I've done for myself with other people because I knew it helped me and it will help them. They moved on. They have circle of friends. Now they're not isolated. They're doing things together. It's the same thing with my students. Uh, They form a WhatsApp. I always tell them, leave me out of it. I've done the mistake once, never again. If you have 70 students in seven classes, so 10 each, and you're on seven WhatsApp groups, (laughs) your phone is pinging. And then you have that crazy bunch that I meet on a Friday morning, the rest of the world. Except of Julie and the other people in New Zealand and Australia, we meet them on Friday. They meet us on Thursday. At uh, that WhatsApp group, dings twenty
0: four seven. Oh yes, yes.
2: So uh, I, I, have- I have
0: notifications turned off. <laughs>
2: I haven't muted usually for eight hours, and then I come back. And at some times, you are—you bloody idiots need to learn how to shut up because now I have to read ninety messages.
0: <laughs> yes, there are some days like that. There really are. Um, it's my day. My day starts. I get woke up to take my first set of meds, and I spent the, spend the next anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes in whatsapp (laughs) but
2: you know it has become a routine and quite frankly i enjoy every single message
0: oh yeah and we share information and we have the most phenomenal conversations there it's just it's just like thursdays i mean it's my thursday it's your friday morning um It's been the highlight since 2020. I mean, people, I don't work on Thursday. Sorry. Uh, If your email is in my inbox first thing in the morning, I will probably respond if I can. But beyond that, Thursday is my one day of the week that I actually deliberately take off.
2: I hope nobody in my organization is listening to this podcast but there is a thing that i blocked fridays until noon because i'm in another business meeting
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep it, and that's what it is isn't it it is it's a, i mean it's, a,
1: it's I mean we may laugh a lot
0: but it's it, it, it's us change exchanging ideas and watching each other progress and learn and sharing in that and giving in that and it's just phenomenal it's
2: professional development it is
0: it truly well okay honest to god i had thought about becoming a tech editor but it was the support of this group and being introduced to michelle through this group that made it happen so, yeah, it's def- definitely professional development. All right. Last but not least, Wolf, where can our listeners find you if they want more information and they want to follow you and that sort of thing?
2: Okay. There's two names you need to remember. One is the Mischief Grafter, and the other one is Mischievous Grafter. Uh, on Reverie, I'm Mischief Grafter. On Instagram, Mischievous Crafter. On YouTube, Mischievous Crafter Crafts. Or you can look up at M-G dot. uh, No, sorry, no dot. At M-G-O-Z. Like in Oz. For Australia.
0: Okay wonderful and i will tell you he has a few sewing videos on youtube at the moment i know that those are growing slowly yes they've been added primarily for his students but they are there um and wow i I look forward to the poncho growing and and reaching the world and Mm -hmm. whatever else we can come up with (laughs)
2: Uh, there will be uh, quite a few. I have to record the technique of the Latvian braid in the triple knitting. There will be some videos accompanying the poncho. There will be instructions on sewing, putting yeah. a zipper in weld pocket and all of that. Uh, there might be a video on how to avoid scratches from your cat. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> I think she really wants you out of her chair. She
2: really does. But yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, there thank we'll you so very much. Um, do feel free to share any other information you want me to put in the show notes if you think of something else. We'll send we're done. you the list and photos. Of yes. Photos, please, yeah. that I know people will want to see. Yeah. So
2: they will get this photo here too. Oh, oh yes. yes. <laughs> we must we must Definitely. share that photo. We must share that photo.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, this has been great. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Yes, thank you.
0: Join us next time when Nikki and I discuss our favorite books for helping us design, edit, and grade patterns. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen. And join the conversation in our Ravelry or Facebook groups. For technical editing, Find Lisa at arcticedits.com and Nikki at handknitsandhyuga.com.